Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Welcome once again to all of you in the room. So glad that you're here. So glad you made it out on this weekend. It is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, President's Day. Some of you have a day off. Anybody have a day off tomorrow? I know we got some people in banking and stuff that have a day off tomorrow. Uh, are, the schools, are schools in session tomorrow? School's out tomorrow? School's out for President's Day. Nobody knows Alice Cooper in the room but me and Chris Farley, but anyway. Anyway, it is good to be together. Uh, this week, we lost a great general of the faith, Dr. Frederick Casey Price, one of our faith heroes from Crenshaw Christian Center in South Central Los Angeles, went to heaven at 89 years of age, and we just wanted to give a, you know, one of our, one of our core values is honor, and uh, Fred Price pioneered, he had the first black megachurch just about in the country back in the 70s, and he built a huge building, huge ministry, and uh, just a faithful man, a man who led his family, a man who led his church, and a man who was not afraid to stand for what the Word says. In, in all the eulogies I read online, they had to have this little tag on because he stood with the Word of God over all of the modern-day interpretations and it made the, you know, certain people upset. And so, and I thought, well, you know what? That's not a bad epitaph either. That in the midst of all the pressures of society to come into agreement with immorality and ungodliness, he said, no, we're standing with the word. And I, 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 hope, that's, I hope that's the legacy of his church, and I hope it's the legacy of this church. Amen. Uh, we have a great, great day planned for you today. We have our first Sunday morning guest speaker in over a year and a half. We have, we, you know, thank God for our team. Thank God for our people. We have guest speakers for you. Um, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul had uh, a guy named Silas that was always with him when he traveled. And you, some of you that travel with me around the world... You know Pastor Chad Braswell, but um, because he's, he's my Silas. He and I have been traveling together, traveling the world together the last many years. And uh, the last few years, he is now, he and his wife, Julie, Pastor Julie, are the senior pastors now of Metro Church in Marlboro, Massachusetts. Uh, his mom and dad, dear friends of ours, pioneered that church 35 years ago, almost 36 years ago now. And uh, I, ha- I got to be at the uh, transformation service where they, where they handed the baton off to the new generation a few years ago. And they're doing a great job pastoring. Their daughters are with them. First time Pastor Julie's even been here to Ocala and to be with us at Now Church. And their daughters, Riley and Mackenzie, are, are with us as well. Riley's here on the front row. And Mackenzie's over in Children's Church today uh, visiting with our Sweet Madison, one of our young, young ladies back there is hosting her, a new friend today. I'd like you to stand up and give a great Now Church welcome 
to Pastor Chad Braswell as he comes today. It is good to be in the house. Now, church, it has been many, many years since I've been here, and can I first just tell you how much I love your pastors? The whole pastoral team is absolutely amazing, but pastors Richard and Gail, they're special to us. He didn't just attend our transition service, he oversaw the transition, so that was very humble of you, but I'll tell you, our family, we see, we see you guys as extended family, um, and it's just an honor to be in the house, um, and I'm excited because I get to have my family with me today. And this is, uh, you said it's the first guest speaker in a year and a half. This is the last trip I was with you a year ago in Poland. So, I mean, this has just been something amazing to be able to be together. Can we pray and get right into the word? God, we thank you, Lord. We're blessed to be in your presence. We're blessed to be in your house. We don't come here just out of duty. We come to have an encounter with you. We're thankful that your word transforms us, Lord God. And we pray as we open up our hearts that you would rearrange the space, that you would change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You know, as I was thinking, I've got a very short amount of time to be able to bring a word, and I thought, God, I just want to be able to help. I know that you guys are in the middle of a Family Matters theme this month, and um, I, I was just thinking, God, if I only had a, one opportunity, what would I say? And, and how many know it's better to have God's word than just for me to have a good idea? And so praying and praying and praying, and, and I came upon this thought, and how many know this world could use a little more love? Like a lot more love. A lot. And how many know how we live inside our house is what trickles outside to our streets? And Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. And I think we could all agree with that sentiment. We forget how important it is to raise the next generation correctly. Not just how to be a good citizen, not just how to be like this, have this respect for people, but to have a deeper love and respect towards God and what he thinks than even what culture feels and what opinion says. Hello? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so as I, I started to think about this, uh, you know, I did a series a little while back in our ch church called A Different Kind of Kind. God is looking for us to be a different kind of kind in a world of hate, in a world that, that just seems to totally be standoffish towards going the extra mile, towards caring, towards loving, towards showing an example. And I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking, we are called to be a different kind of kind in a world of indifference and hates. And we're going to dig into that today. If you're taking notes, a thousand points extra, really important for you. Um, <laughs> today is, is going to be focused on the love factor. Say the love factor. The love factor. And, and what I love about this is that these, these takeaways can translate directly into your home, how you love your spouse, how you treat and love your kids, but also how we love our neighbor and our world. We're going to be digging into uh, a couple key texts today. I like to 
input a lot of the scripture in my message because it really keeps boundaries. How many think that's a good thing? We're just going to let God's word speak for itself. Is that good? And so we're going to be in the parable of the Good Samaritan found in Luke 10. And we're also going to be uh, jumping over to Luke chapter 6 where Jesus is doing another teaching. But would you follow along with me? It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. Can I just pause for a minute? This is an expert of the law. He knows what is written in the law. He's not asking a question to get an answer. He's trying to trap Jesus so that he can see that he gets crucified later. Okay, this teacher of the law, we're talking about, uh, you know, part of the Sanhedrin. These people are spies for Caiaphas, and they're trying to trap him. Do you understand that? And so, so it goes on like this. How do you read it, Jesus says? Do, do, can we just stop for a minute? That means that I can read the word and read it wrong. Whew. Wait, no, 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 Pastor Chad. I was told just to get in the word. If I get in the word, just get in the word. No, that's true. We need to get in the word, but we can't take the word out of context either. We've got to keep the word in context so that we have guardrails on our life, so that we have real truth, not our opinion of it. What I don't want to do is raise a church or raise my kids or raise a family with a pull string faith. You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's a snake in my boot. No, you know what I'm talking about, that pull string faith? What I don't want to do is just have a pull string faith where I only have five scriptures that I ever talk about. And actually, it's not any of the hard truth that I really need. Oh, all right. I think I'm ready to preach. Listen, he said, how do you read it? And a the expert says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Oh, wait, Jesus is saying this. Okay, and then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Nope, this is the, the expert saying it. Then Jesus says, you uh, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And Jesus uh, asked him, uh, or and he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I'm sorry, I did not have my espresso this morning. I don't know if you realize that. It's a big deal. And he said, who is my neighbor? And so this is a big deal. Who is my neighbor? A man was going down. I love Jesus. He taught in parables a lot because they were so understandable and easy to remember. We grew up in America learning from parables as well. We grew up uh, learning about, uh, you know, uh, the three little pigs, right? <laughs> and we remember it though, don't we? And you just go through, and there are all these little parables that we remember. And so Jesus, he understood the power of it. And so he starts teaching in these parables. And he says this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Pause. So, you know, the, have you ever heard the expression shots fired? This is shots fired. Because Jesus is talking to the expert of the law, talking about his type that passed by. He didn't just choose someone random. The guy asking the question, now he's saying, your kind, the ones that should know better, the ones that seem to be extra dignified, that seem to be extra holy, they were the ones that passed by. They crossed the street. They didn't even want to be seen near him. They didn't want to have to feel that, that moment of compassion might make them, compel them. No, they crossed the streets. But 
a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, oh, he, could, he couldn't even say the Samaritan. He said the one who had mercy on him. The Samaritans were looked down at. They dealt with a lot of racism. They dealt with a lot of prejudice, with a lot of hate. They were the ones that could justify to themselves, maybe that person doesn't deserve help because of how I've experienced life from people like that. Jesus said, you're right, go and do likewise. If you're taking notes, listen, a different kind of kind doesn't try to identify love's boundaries. We're not talking about where's the limit, God, because that's what he said. He said he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? What he was doing was trying to figure out, okay, I understand the law says I'm required to do this, but where can I stop? Where can I stop? Where's the expectation? Where, where can I, okay, this is far enough, this isn't far enough. Who do I have to love? The ones that look like me, the ones that don't look like me, the ones that sound like me, the ones that don't sound like me, the ones that mean well, the ones that don't mean well. Who do I have to love? Because I know I have to love, but I'd like to have that expectation so, so obvious that I don't have to do extra work where I don't have to do extra work. We're not trying to limit love's reach by disqualifying love's outpouring on different kinds of people. We're not trying to find out, God, who do I love and who don't I love? Because the last time I checked, God said he made all mankind in his image. All mankind. And so as I'm thinking about all the things that are going on in our world, that we can agree it has gone crazy. It is messy. If you thought just some election winning was going to change everything, it hasn't. That's because it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. Are you hearing me? As long as sin is in the world, nothing's going to be right. Until Jesus comes back, we're always going to have fights. But we have to always remind ourselves that God has called us to be like him, not our opinion of him. So we've got to get in the word to know what God's word says so that I can be a more perfect example of Jesus. I will be far from perfect. I'm not growing wings and flying around here, y'all. But I, if I'm the only Jesus they ever see, I better get it a little bit more right than what I did yesterday. Right? And so we're not trying to limit love's reach. I was sitting here thinking uh, when I, <laughs> let's do this. Can you guys see this? Oh, I got to do it right. The Bible talks about us being like a city on a hill talks about us be, having a light and shining it, right? Well, what happens is <laughs> when we're trying to decide, we're like, oh, I don't really like that person, so I'm going to shield my light. Oh, that person wronged me. Forget them. I'm going to shield my light. We start, we start not only just covering the light that God told us to be, we start deflecting it from those who need it most because they hurt us or harmed us. Even in our own home, 
the love that we withhold from the blood. We've got, you know, siblings that don't talk anymore. We've got parents that don't, don't uh, share love with their kids because they were wronged. We've got kids that don't honor their parents. The Bible says you're going to live a long life if you honor your parents. You might want to get that one right. I'm saying... But listen to me. I'm just saying we're not called to decide who deserves love. We're called to love. <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm trying to help you understand. We're called to be a different kind of kind in a world of indifference and hates. But that starts in your home. If you can't forgive somebody in your home and you're holding bitterness. You know what they say about bitterness, right? Bitterness is poison you drink hoping to kill someone else. It affects you, not them. We've got to be able to get it right within our homes because whatever we build in our home is going to trickle into the streets. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love your family rights. <clears throat> Jesus, he had to correct a wrong thought process here. He had to say, you're thinking of this wrong. You're trying to limit your outpouring of love by making boundaries so you can make it more manageable. You're trying to tilt the table on the game of love. Then he explained, love and respect shouldn't fall only upon those like you or those who think or who you think deserve it. Look what it says in Luke 6. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If somebody slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Now listen, can I just tell you, God's not saying just, he's not trying to make you feel like, no, I just got to get mobbed, beat, ripped, stripped. (laughs) He's trying to tell you, Love them in a way that when they say, I didn't deserve that, why are they doing that? When I steal their coat, why would they give me their shirt? Why aren't they fighting me at every turn the way I'm fighting them? It's a way of provoking thought that makes them go, there's something different about this person. I've got to find out why this person isn't spitting at me and swinging at me. And Why is this person acting like someone not of this world? Because we're not of this world. And if we choose to be uh, emotionally driven by things in this world, then we fail to love the world the way God called us to love the world. We can't be driven just by emotion. All right. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those with whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and uh, you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. The next point I want to talk about, a different kind of kind offers love and mercy just as our father. What does that mean? The person that doesn't deserve mercy, I offer it. The person that doesn't deserve my forgiveness, I offer it. The person that that I really loathe, 
I'm going to offer them just as the Father does, and I'm going to need his help. The Holy Spirit's going to have to empower me to do these things because I cannot do them. Have you ever been in a situation where you're talking to somebody? Oh, here it goes. Mm. Somebody in your past, because this has happened to us, it's happened to my wife, we've talked about this before, we see somebody in our past that has not only wronged us, they not only put, you know, put us on the ground, but they kicked us while we were down, and then they stabbed, the back, stabbed us in the back while we were down, and honestly, they spat on us before they left. And all you want to do is like bless them with a brick, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh Lord, help me. <laughs> but then when you see them, all of a sudden you're saying words you don't even think. It's okay. I love you. I forgave you. It's all good. I'll be praying for you. The Holy Spirit enables you to do things you couldn't do on your own, but if you don't invite him in your life and allow him to lead you, and you don't actually say the things that he's put in your heart, if you ask God to help you, he's going to help you. If you say, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide my words, he's going to guide them. And when you say things you shouldn't say because you didn't really mean them, but then you find out actually peace has been working in the background, and it actually it's not just tongue-in-cheek, it's actually working inside of you, then you realize I can love like God because God has called me and empowered me to live that way. See, so many people think grace just covers our sins. Grace empowers us to live a grace-filled life and offering grace where people don't deserve it because God gave it to us and we don't deserve it. Are you getting this? The only way we can be a different kind of kind is because the one who created us in our kind, in his image, empowered us to live that lifestyle. So I'm going to learn through the Holy Spirit's enabling how to love and how to offer mercy just as our Father. I call it a grace from a different place. God, I need to tap into a grace from a different place. I know I'm going to see that person later, and I have already commanded forgiveness. I've already put it in word. I'm walking that out best I can, but I'm going to need a little bit more help. Remind me of my past. When's the last time you asked God to do that? Oh, Lord. Remind me of my sin so that I would hold my tongue. Remind me of where I came from so that I can tap into the love and mercy that you offered me so I can offer someone else. Are you getting this? Oh, man. Because he says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. That's what it says in Luke 6. You got that up there? Luke 6. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Look, our reward comes when? <laughs> it says this. But as a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm all spun out. Listen to this. Check this out. It says, but love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. But then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind and, uh, to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. <clears throat> then your reward will be great. When? Showing love to our enemies. Whew. It's probably stronger than espresso when I read that. That'll wake you up. So our reward comes then. Look at. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
we can properly show love and mercy as our Father in heaven does when we properly see others the way he sees them. This is the thing. We get caught in our own way. We stand in our own way. We think differently. We, we, we look at the situation the way we think about it. But when we start to see them the way God sees them, it allows us to live a life that we couldn't on our own. What am I saying? We need heaven's perspective to love those who are different from ourselves. We must learn to honor the image of God that exists in everyone. The Bible says that he knit us together in our mother's womb. That means anyone on this earth, whether we planned it or not, had a purpose. God has, you know, none of those made in USA or made in China stickers. We've got God's fingerprints. We're of another world. And the fact that he made us and created us to love each other, the way we do that best is by remembering that God doesn't love me more than anyone else. There's no favoritism. So on the way in which he loved me, I've got to turn and love the next person. But we need heaven's perspective to do that. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I really wish he also added, and over their own emotions, and over their own feelings. Let them rule like we rule, where they actually take concern and care about how they think, and what they think, and how they speak, and what they, when they speak. Because if we can have dominion over the earth, we can certainly take captive that thought in our minds. Are you getting this? Whew. People don't like responsibility. Because then they got to be responsible. We were all created in God's image. So love them all, not just the ones we agree with. I love it. I love it. You know, I believe this is what God's saying. Love everyone. I'll sort them out later. <laughs> Just love everyone, and I'll sort them out later. <laughs> I, I, one of my friends, he said, look, when it comes to loving people, we need to remind ourselves, <laughs> I'm in the sales business, not the accounting business. What does that mean? It means I'm not judging them. I'm just trying to show them Christ's love. God will judge them. I'm about showing them the love. I'm about showing them the mercy and the grace. I'm about having them experience heaven through me acting beyond my feelings. For me being able to uh, enact what the word says as the word transforms me. There's got, can I just encourage you in here? If you've been coming to church, if, if maybe this is the first time you're in church, or you're online right now, I don't know where the screen is, but uh, the, the camera is, but listen. When we experience Christ, he doesn't become <laughs> a la carte on the side. We're not like, hey, I'm going to have, uh, you know, I'm ordering up this kind of future with this kind of house, with this kind of mate, and I'll have a la carte Jesus on the side. When we experience Jesus, there should be a Saul to Paul transformation that happens in our life because we say, God, I realize what you saved me from, and now I too am about my father's business. Because of that, there's going to be a life transformation. I'm not just going to talk about Jesus. I'm going to be a different kind of kinds. So everything in this world was created according to its kind and reproduces according to its kind in the same way that canines reproduce canines and felines felines and men and women reproduce mankind created in the image of the most high God. We've got to remember that we are a different kind of kind because we're the only kind created in God's image. 
And so I've got to remind myself, I act. <laughs> Fellas, I don't act like a dog. Whew. I act like a man of God. Ladies, you're not just a lady. You're a princess of the Most High. The way in which we act, just not just to, uh, to each other, but to the world, we reflect who God is. Do we carry him well? That's a question that you should be asking this week in your own devotional time. God, do I carry you well? I know I'm not perfect, but do I carry you well? Again, God knit us together, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Say wonderfully made. Wonderfully made. That means the person you don't think is so wonderful apparently is still wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. What we need to do is know that full well about others, not just ourselves. Because we say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But that person? Oh, God, you already know. Help them. No, listen. God created us all in his image. We got to love his image. That person, you already know who I'm talking about. Don't feel bad. You already know that person in your mind. You're thinking about them already. Be praying, God, give me eyes to see them the way you see them. Mm. I wouldn't recommend praying for patience because he really gives you opportunity to work on that. <laughs> so mankind, we're the only kind created in the image of God, and this is why we have the ability to be a different kind of kind in this world. Because we're, we're the only kind empowered by God in the beginning to dispense authority over this world, including the world of our emotions. And your emotions are going to lead you astray most of the time. People say, follow your hearts. And Jesus is like, I didn't give in to them because I knew their heart. <laughs> you, you get that? <laughs> okay, just throw that out there. We should love and respect and take care of all of God's creation. However, if God returns finding you loving anything else, whether it be your cute little puppy, more than we love purely our brothers and sisters, We'll stand account for it. It's just something. Just and someone's like, "Oh, he went. He went to pets. Now I'm not good with him." <laughs> God help him. <laughs> so if you're trying harder to protect, can I just go there? I just hate it if you're trying harder to protect a turtle's eggs laid in the sand dunes than you are a child being knit together in the womb. There's a major problem, and God Himself has taken issue with it. This is not political. I tell my church this all the time. Our church doesn't get political. But where politics step into the word, I will straighten it out by what the scripture says. Singing that song. Come on, we'll fight for life. Oh! Tell somebody! Okay, I'll move on. We got to honor the image of God in every individual. This means to respect their God-given value regardless of their position. It means that we choose to j disagree agreeably. You know we can still do that, right? I, tell, I even tell my kids, like, it's okay to disagree agreeably. But stop the fighting. Bring the temperature down. You know, what's, what's most interesting is when people have the ability to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with their disagreements yet still walk out of the room and not have 
animosity with each other, but understand they grew up on different areas and different thoughts and different opinions and having the ability to still uh, love each other, although we disagree with each other. But being able to open up the Bible and say, but what does God say? Because his opinion matters than more than both of ours, because both of ours are flawed. Both of ours are flawed. This isn't a one-side issue. It's a sin issue, remember? It's a sin issue. So, again, it does not mean we have to agree with everything they do, and it certainly does not mean we are to begin affirming the sin in them that is already dishonoring the image of God within them, but we can agree to disagree rather than starting another world war. Okay? Because I I promise you, there, there are times where I have to remind myself, it doesn't matter if I convince that person. Unless the Holy Spirit's involved, it's not going to create change. All I'm going to do is create more enemies. I don't mind speaking up for truth, but I'm just going to hang the truth out there. Not try and hang them with the truth. Okay. <laughs> A different kind of kind loves those they've been hurt by. And this, I mean, we're talking family matters. If you're going to have... <laughs> A normal family, there's going to be a lot of hurts. It's going to be, there's going to be moments where I didn't mean to say it that way, but it came out that way because it's been a long work day and oops. There's going to be times where you're exhausted and you're going to say things and do things maybe that you shouldn't have done. But we've got to learn not only how to uh, get back into a position of, of maybe seeking forgiveness, but also offering it to those that hurt us. We've got to love those that we've been hurt by. Love those who've shown contempt. You know, that is what Jesus showed us by going to the cross. He died for those who screamed, crucify him. Luke 6, 27, put to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. That should stretch us. If I'm going to be more like God, I'm going to pray about people I don't really like. Love those who have hurt you. Luke 6, do to others as you would have them do to you, it says. Not as they did to you, as you would have liked them to do to you. It's no longer an eye for an eye. You know, the Bible, uh, you know, we, we understand that there are things that happen in the Old Testament. And then when it comes to to the hermeneutics of it all, depending on what happened at the cross depends on whether it goes through unchanged. And if it goes through change, then Jesus himself or the apostles have to tell us it's changed. And Jesus, remember there was the eye for the eye, but then Jesus said, no. I say, turn the other cheek. Love your enemy. So we know it's changed. Some people be like, "I, I feel justified. No, you feel justified in the Old Testament. We don't want to feel justified in the Old Testament. Otherwise, you've got to kill your puppy today for the sin you did this morning. So how about we live in the New Testament? Why is he always talking about pets? Stop it. <laughs> Listen, let's look back at the parable of the Good Samaritan. What makes this parable so powerful is that it was a Samaritan. They were known as half-bloods, half-breeds. They were ridiculed and were on the wrong end of the stick regularly. They experienced racism and were looked down upon in society. Remember when Jesus was talking with the Samaritan woman? And she was like, why are you even talking to me? You're not supposed to be talking to me. (laughs) 
society was saying you should have nothing to do with them. I bring this up because of all those listening to this parable in that time, they understood this. If any group of people could have been justified in their animosity towards a cruel world and choose not to show mercy, it would be the Samaritan who had not received any mercy in their lifetime. I don't know about you. I'm not really a thief or a robber, but if I was, I wouldn't try and jump a poor guy. Wouldn't you kind of agree with that statement? I'm looking for the guy with the fresh J's, right? Who's, who's got those Yeezys? Who's got that thing? Who's got what I want, right? I'm looking for that. So can I tell you, this guy that was jumped and stripped and beaten, he was not a Samaritan because Samaritans didn't have that kind of stuff. So this wasn't a Samaritan showing pity to a Samaritan. This was a Samaritan showing pity to a Jew who had a lot and would have been in the class that has done nothing but ridicule them and be racist towards them and looked at them as half-breeds. This person was showing mercy and love as our Father shows mercy and love. Not deciding who gets it because I only have a small portion. Can I tell you God doesn't work on the pie graph? It's not like, well, I already gave somebody 50% of this, so I only have... No, he works in a river for it. It never ends. The river just continues. And so in the same way, God, I needed help to help uh, love on that person. I need more help today because I got to love on that person person. I gotta, I'm going to need more of you today. I'm glad that uh, you know joy comes in the morning. I'm glad that your mercies are new every day because I need more mercy to give to that person again. Because guess what? Whew, I used it all yesterday. <laughs> it says in Luke 10, he went to him and bandaged his wounds. How can I be almost out of time? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. God's church needs to show this kind of love. We need to be willing to show a bipartisan kind of love. I'm so tired of watching politics and politicians turn the house of God against each other based on trying to isolate the other side for the sake of political gain. Listen to me. If the church doesn't stand up and show what love looks like, no one will. If the church doesn't love our neighbor, no one will. If the church doesn't prepare to heal the wounds of a toxic election year, no one will. If we, the church, don't lead in reconciling our differences, the world won't have a pattern to follow. We have to be a different kind of kind if we're going to steer the ship right. If we're going to try and bring this kind of... Who, who wants to see healing in our country? Well, then, yes, we pray for authority, but we also do something. We also love our neighbor. We need to be like the Samaritan who had reason to see everyone outside of their race as, uh, you know, he, they had every reason to see everyone outside of the race as an enemy, but they chose to love them anyway. Every race, every color, every creed, every tongue, every political background. <laughs> Can I also just say one thing? If you spend more time on this earth as an activist for an earthly cause more than you do as an evangelist for heaven's cause, you need spiritual realignment. The scripture makes it clear so you're not fooling yourselves by thinking that you're doing God's work by jumping on a bandwagon, regardless of how just it is. Because I'll tell you, the scripture makes it clear we're to love everybody and we're to get it right. 
Scripture supersedes everything, and Scripture isn't leaning one way or the other. Scripture isn't tilted. It's not trying to tilt the game of love. Scripture is accurate. God's Word is inerrant. Do I hear anybody say amen right now? We have to understand that if God's Word says it, we do it regardless of whether we understand it. We stand on the Word of God and say, whether, you know, by hell or high water, I will stand for your Word, and I'll do what it says. Oh. And the last point, because I'm out of time, a different kind of kind loves at their own expense. Generosity is one of the easiest ways to tell how compassionate one is. This is not exclusively related to finances, but it cannot neglect or exclude economic investment in a hurting world. We can't simply say we love but have not any fruit to show of it. When it comes to working in our community, in our region, in our world, the thing that I was so, you know, warmed my heart was seeing what you guys did for Love Week. You put feet. You put feet on love. You were his hands and feet as you went about your community showing love this past week. That's amazing. Beautiful are the feet of those that carry the message, the scripture says. The church globally needs to continue to stretch our faith to reach our world. Through local aid and global relief efforts, we continue to love our neighbors in this world and we can't just shrink back. Can I tell you, no one has seen the economic hit you guys took over the last decade. You guys got hammered, but look at God's goodness and how he brought you out of it. It's amazing when God is at your back, when God is the wind in your sails, it doesn't matter how bad things get, God's gonna see you through. But you don't reap where you don't sow. God, I'm thankful that you've seen me through. But in my thankfulness, let me continue to reach somebody with your gospel. I'm so driven. Our church watches so much of what your team does creatively here. And um, we've upped our game so much by what Ricky and Ryan and the team are doing here. And our, our media guys are on, on calls pretty regularly because we understand if we're going to reach the world it can't just be you know when Jesus said from Jerusalem you know Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth that's part of what we're called to do and I'm thankful that you are in a church that sees it that way we must continue to advance God's kingdom and show his love to this world through the gospel of Christ we must never shrink back we must never decide to turn off our light we got to shine it and be that different kind of kind. Whether, whether I go to that scripture and it's two mites or $20 or 20000 we all have different means to work with, but God expects us to own love's expense. Do you realize in the Old Testament they were sacrificing their income, their animals, their pets they were giving up for the altar? Why? Because my sin, it wasn't cheap. And what God did he restored me. But because of the knowledge, I've got to understand, I've got to own love's expense too. We've got to be partakers with Christ. Look at what it says in Luke 10. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense. Look, you're here because somebody was willing to show love at their own expense. You're sitting on chairs because someone was willing to show love at their own expense. You're on the other side of this screen right now because somebody was willing to show love, uh, give love at their own expense. That's part of our call and we've got to be okay with it. 
We've got to say, God, I'm willing to give up whatever it takes. And I got to be finished. Church, Jesus loves you so much, he was willing to give up his own life. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believed him would not perish but have eternal life. A true love is willing to lay something down. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Whether you're in this room, whether you're on the other side of the screen right now, listen, God, he loves you so much and he was willing to send his only son to die a death that we deserved. His blood covered our sin. And for those that accept Jesus, it's the game changer. It's the thing that, that shifts everything. And today, I want to be able to pray for you. If you're in this place and you know that you're far from God, maybe you've walked away from God, you know you need to get right with God, maybe you're here for the very first time and you're saying, I've never even heard it like this. I've only known of Jesus through my grandmother. Well, listen, God loves you so much. He knows you by name. He knows all the hairs on your head by number or the lack thereof. But the point is, He loves you so much that He wants eternity with you. And that's what Jesus brings. There's no way to the Father except through the Son. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're saying, Pastor Chad, include me in that prayer, I just want to lead you in a simple one. But in this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're saying, Pastor Chad, include me in that prayer, I want to experience love and grace and God's forgiveness, His mercy. If that's you, while no one else is looking around, would you just slip up with your hand and say, yeah, pray for me. Yeah, I see that hand. Pray for me. Yeah, I see those hands back there. Pray for me. Yeah, I see that. Pray for me. And if you're on the other side of the screen, wherever you are, if you're saying, yeah, pray for me. Come on, we're all going to say this together. Come on, say it after me. Let's say, God, I thank you so much that you love me before I even knew you. That you sent your son to die a death I deserve. Jesus, I thank you that the grave couldn't hold you. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me. Holy Spirit, lead me. I'm going to need a lot of help. But I am yours. Forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you receive the word? Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.